Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have blessed us with your presence this weekend, Father, and we just want to say thank you. We take nothing for granted, oh Lord. Last night was special. I thank you for the worship, the intercession that took place at this altar. This morning, your presence is all over this building. I thank you for the endorsement of the Holy Spirit. What else do we need? That is not in your presence. Everything we need is in you, Lord. You are our delight. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for anybody that has been going through a dry patch. May they be refreshed this morning. May springs of water just break out on a hard, dry ground, Father. May they experience streams in the desert. May times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord this morning. We thank you, Father, for helping us to start this year off right. Have your way in our lives, Father. Anoint every ear to hear your word, every heart to receive. Give us understanding, Father. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you all, guys. You rock. You're awesome. I want to take you to Connecticut with me. Amen. What an amazing time that we've had this weekend. Pastor Sarish and Pastor Linson, thank you for the invitation and all your leadership and the board and everything that uh, allowed this meeting to go forward this weekend. I believe that it was a divine appointment. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, I know I've been having a, a tremendous time even in the hotel. Uh, the last two nights, I just had a powerful time. For some weird reason, it's from midnight to 3 o'clock. The last two nights that I've been here, I've just been having a beautiful encounter with the Lord. Something that I needed. Amen. So I didn't come here to be a blessing alone. I came here to be blessed, and that's exactly what has happened. I thank the Lord for that. Thank you for what you're doing in your community, and thank you for keeping on, keeping on. And I encourage you, don't let anything ever make you quit. Amen. And we talked out of what God is doing. God is working here. Amen. It's changing us and molding us and making us more what he wants us to be. We were dealing with a subject, and I want to go straight to work. I only have 35 minutes for the first service. I'll have a little bit more liberty in the second one, but I want to make sure that you get everything that you're supposed to get this morning. Uh, so we're going, to go, we're going to go right away to the book of Luke, chapter 1. And I'm going to get straight to work. I may have some of my friends watching from Connecticut. If you are there, see you tomorrow for Bible study. I hope you enjoy fellowship with Metro this morning. Hallelujah. 
So what we see in the book of, of Luke chapter 5 is really, um, I'm going to lay a little bit of what we talked about yesterday, but I have a very specific assignment for this morning. And I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to dance around it. I want to get straight to the point. So it was as a multitude pressed upon him, I mean, verse 1, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Again, we said yesterday, nets, plural, right? Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitude from the boat. And in keeping with what the Lord does, if you know the things of God, here's what you know. Is the Lord will never ask you to do something that there is no reward attached to an assignment. We don't do it for the reward, but I need you to know there's a reward in there. I know no Christian whose labor is in vain. Your labor is never in vain. For some of you, you're going to work and nobody will even know what you're doing for the kingdom. And for some others, you will never get a thank you, but know who you're working for. As long as you know that you're good. So he didn't just use Peter's boat. As soon as he was done, it was his turn to bless Peter for blessing him. And then this is the instruction that he gave. He says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural again, for a catch. Not to try to see if it works. I am telling you the outcome already. There is a catch. So now go out, launch into the deep, and that's what our theme has been this weekend, launching into the deep, because it is a very profound statement. It has multiple layers to it. It's not just speaking about going to the deeper part of the waters, but it appears to be a call that Jesus really gives all of us that are his disciples to come from where he's comfortable and shallow, to go to where it might be a bit precarious, but that's where the results take place. Most results in the kingdom of God take place in the deep. Most results, and we're going to unpack a few areas that you've got to go deeper this year. I'm sure in the 21 days that you've had, somebody has probably mentioned all of these, by the way. You know, so if it's repetition, smile at me nicely anyway. Amen. But, but, but we see the Lord saying, launch out into the deep for a catch. Because in the kingdom of God, it's not trial and error. A faith is based on an assurance of what God will do. Don't do something to see if it works. Or let's just do it and see if it works. No. You, t- you take the time to send your faith to the assurance. The woman with the issue of blood did not say, let me test to see if I touch the hem of his garment, if I'll be made well. She was not playing games. She was very certain. Here is what's going to happen. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. I will be made well. Faith is tethered to the outcome and considers the outcome a done deal. So you're not going to try and reach the Muslim population or try and reach the Hindu population. No, your faith must be so anchored that it's a done deal. And because it is absolutely assured, we have to prepare the congregation as to how to handle cross-cultural situations. We have to anticipate the sticky points so that we can train each other how to overcome the sticky points. But if people from a different background that have, you know, what we are culturally comfortable with, how do we, you anticipate that because your faith has already declared that it is considered done. Let down your nets for a catch, not for an attempt to see if it works. People that I know that walk with God are radical and almost crazy like that. When they set their faith on something, it's done. 
Oh, man. You know, a, a friend of mine, Chris Nickerson, was diagnosed with multi-myeloma cancer. And he was coming from a traditional, um, you know, not, not our Pentecostal type. None, he came from a traditional kind of Baptist background. And he was taught that, you know, the healing is for another time. And it was for the apostolic age. But that it has ceased. But the more he got into the word, the more he became convinced that, no, the healing is for now. So even though this thing was eating away at his bones, because that's what multi-myeloma cancer does, you know, I watched this man grow in faith and consider the word of God to be exactly what it says it is. And then just recently he made an announcement on Facebook that his doctor told him we find no trace. There is no traceable amount of cancer in your system. And what we thought was a life sentence turns out that it's not. The word of God is true. The people of faith don't try to see if it works. They do it because they are persuaded. If it's in there, it is done. Launch out into the deep for a catch. Hey, if you, are, if you are establishing a youth ministry for the sake of getting young people, just already consider them there. What are we going to do? How are we going to apportion our week to make sure they, are, they have a service where they're enthusiastic, but they have a training where they are taken deeper, and they have a discipleship program? You establish it because you consider it a done deal. Let down your nets for a catch. The Lord says, go out into the deep, though. Move away from shallow waters. Are we good? So let's just explore what that could possibly mean in, in, in a variety of different areas. And I, I want to propose to you that for this year, oh God, please help me. There are deeper places in God that he's requiring for you and I to go. Ah, I've known Christians that have been saved for 50 years, Pastor Linson, but were splashing in the shallow end. Never graduated to the deeper things of God. There are levels to worship. There's a level to worship where it's just a song. It's a nice song. It's, a, it's an approach to worship that does not I, I deal with the idols of our hearts. We come in, like Pastor Linson said yesterday, with idols in our heart, and we sing a song we like, and we think we worship. The deeper portions of worship means that I have to address the stuff in me that is unlike God. And that's why the psalmist says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, means I don't have any room for something that is resistant to God. If it's there, it's got to go. Because I'm going to a place where what, which is deeper than the shallow waters of worship. Are you hearing this this morning? Ah, so if our worship experience does not address our arrogance, does not address our appetiteness, does not, we are not worshiping, we are singing songs we like. When true worship comes in, you are undone. You are like water. Why do you think that the one word that is used in praise and worship is the word barak? The word barak means to bow low. It's a natural posture of response that says, I'm now no longer the center of this agenda. I decrease, and you must increase. There's a depth in worship, my wonderful friends at Metro, that is beckoning you to come. It's a place of true worship. It's a place where you hold nothing back from God. It's a place where you cannot hold unforgiveness in your heart because you, it cannot fit there. There's a place in God where unforgiveness cannot go. So you leave it behind and you forgive no matter how they insulted you because you're going deeper in the place of worship. And this is all important if it's important to you because for there's some people that their offense is more important to them than their freedom from it. 
we're going deeper in worship. I could give you a scripture and verse, but let me just say this. I was teaching my Monday night class about the wise men from the East, Matthew chapter 2. Look at what true worshipers do. True worshipers, they saw a star in the sky. And they began to follow it. They settled their camels and they traveled. How long was the journey? Well, if you take what they said to Herod into consideration, the reason why Herod, after inquiring from them when the star appeared, he killed all the under twos. It's quite possible they may have been journeying for two years. And when they came to see the, the, the place where Christ was, he wasn't a baby in a manger. He was a young boy, which was a three-year-old, two-year-old boy. Technon is the word in Greek that is used for a toddler. So worshippers saw a star, knew that a king was born, felt compelled to worship him. Guys, they didn't stay there for a week. They traveled two years for a 30-minute encounter. True worship. There's levels to this. And I'm asking you in 2022, go deeper. Look what they did. These were not scrubs. These were not poor men. These were kings in their own rights. How do we know? Because they didn't go to the house of a lower official. They went to the palace of Herod. Kings talk to kings. And they asked, sir, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Why? Because we have seen his star in the sky and we have come to worship. Not come to ask him for stuff. To come to worship. Yes. There's levels to this. Now look at what Herod says. Oh, okay, I'll go and find out where he is. And when you find out, come and tell me so that I can worship him too. That's the average church member. Pastor, go and find where he is, you know, and then tell me where he is and I'll come and worship. I don't want to go through the sweat equity required to find him for myself. You go find him for me. And when you find him, let me know that I might worship him to token worship. These wise men is when they went outside again, they saw the star again. Now notice what the Bible says. Read it in the scripture. And I'm not giving you scripture and verse. I've got 20 minutes left or less. Here's what happened. When they saw it rest upon the house where he was, the Bible says, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Oh, God help me. Why are you rejoicing? Are you about to receive something? No, I'm about to give something. These camels are loaded with what we brought to give. True worship. Welcome to the deeper waters. They came in, the Bible says, they, guys, they threw themselves on the ground. They lay prostrate before a toddler in pampas. And then this Bible says, they took out of their treasure. Now here's where it's important, because a lot of people act like they love God, but we give him from the abundance of what we have. We never really go deep to give from that which costs us something. They gave from their treasure. That means it's from their most prized possessions. The stuff that cost them most. The lady at his feet. And their assignment was done. That's all we came for. Why, you don't want your children to be blessed? They're already blessed. We're good. Why, you don't want me to help you get this? No, no, I'm good. 
Why? We traveled for two years that we might lie before him and that we might take off our treasure and present it for him. There are levels to worship. Where are we as a church? God inhabits the praises of his people. He sits enthroned in true worship. The church sings a lot and wonders why God does not show up. No, 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 no. There is more to it than song service. It has got to come from the heart. If I'm arrogant and I'm about me and I'm looking down on everybody else and I come into the presence of the Lord and sing a song, I might as well just stay at home and sing a song. Worship is supposed to ruin you before him. Kings fell at the feet of a baby and then gave of their treasure. Let's go into the deep this year. Are we good? I'm going to come back to this part about giving. I, I feel led to do that. But I want to also talk about levels in prayer. There are levels in prayer. The shallow waters is built on Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Those are three different levels of prayer. The shallow waters is the asking phase. Everybody does that. That's pretty much our, our, our prayer meetings. Lord, can we have? Lord, can you do this? Lord, we are sending God on errands and asking. Nothing wrong with it. The Lord said, ask that your joy might be full. So I get it. But understand that there are deeper places than that. Lord, please give us, do this for us. Go there and cover this and I need this and I, I need that and I need this and I need that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. He's a father. He loves this. He receives that. But there's a level of prayer that is called seeking. Seeking God is the outcome. He is the prize. Not what I want. He is, it's him. My ambition is now to seek his face. You find me fasting. Why are you fasting, Felix? Do you need a breakthrough? No, I don't need a breakthrough. I'm good on breakthroughs. So why are you fasting? I want to see his face. I've entered into a level that is deeper than the ask. Now, not his hand, but his face is my obsession. This is the level that Moses went to. When he met with God in Exodus chapter 33, and the Lord says, my son, I'm going to send my angel to go before you. He will give you victory over all your enemies. Oh, you're going to win every battle against the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites. And Moses said, no, if you don't go with me, I am not going. What is that? He had reached the level where he was seeking after the face of God. God was the ultimate prize. It was the father. It was the reason I'm in ministry. It's not so that I can do a great work as a man of God. No, it's because I'm in partnership with my father. And what my father does, I am doing. It's a deeper place where God is the prize. Are we good? So seeking. Why seeking? Because if you've ever lost something precious, if any of you lost your car keys, lost something that you really needed, you look for it in places you never even went. I was moving into a, a loft apartment in Providence at one time, and I'd, uh, I just sold my motorcycle. I had $10,000 in my pocket and dropped the $10,000 as I was taking my, 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 my bed up to the third floor. I looked for it in cities I'd never visited before. Like, wait, well, I, I don't know, I might just find it here. My goodness, you, seeking something that is me, you look everywhere. You look at a place three times, right? You look and then you look, as if something has happened in between, you know? And then you look again, why? The quality of seeking is the one that's, that recognizes there's something of value. 
that is pulling my desire and I cannot be comfortable until I apprehend it. It was seeking that made Paul write three quarters of the New Testament and established churches in Colossus, in Corinth, in Ephesus. That's what he told us. He said, I don't consider to have apprehended it, but I press for the mark of the upward call in Christ Jesus. He was just seeking after God. Churches were popping up behind him. That's another level of prayer seeking. The other level of prayer is knocking. Ah, knocking is when you locate where he is, but access is denied, and you refuse to leave until the door opens. Knocking is, you already know it's inside there. It's like your, you know, your friend at midnight. You know your friend is in the house sleeping, and you go knock and they don't answer. Are you going to quit and go? No. What does the Bible say? You will knock until you, he wakes up. Why? I already know you're there. I sought you and I know you are there. So the only reason, if, if you're testing my persistence, I will do this ad infinitum from here until eternity. I will knock until the door opens. The level of knocking, Pastor Satish, that's the type of prayer that brings revival. That's Elijah prayed one. He asked a simple request. Show that you are God in Israel. That's asking. And that I'm your prophet. One request in the asking fire fell down but when it was time to break a three-year drought in first kings chapter 18 the old man elijah went the bible says he put his head between his knees and he began to knock no answer he says to the young man young man can you go outside and tell me what you see he says father i don't see anything okay it's fine okay can you go and see Anything. No, sir, I don't see anything else. It's fine. The average Pentecostal would have quit by now and will write a book how prayer is not answered, how God doesn't do what he used to do because you knocked three times and stopped. Not Elijah. He kept on knocking. Four, five, six. On the seventh time, the young man says, Sir, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He says, Get your stuff together, for I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. There is a place in prayer when you know the answer lies behind the door. I'm not going anywhere until the door is answered. It's a persistent place of knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking until revival comes. That's what is another level. Those are the depths of this undertaking or this endeavor that we call prayer. It's not for the faint of heart. Many people quit real quick. They pray three times about something God doesn't come through. They create a doctrine around their failure. I'm almost done. We're talking about going deeper in prayer. We know who the source of our revival is. It's him. This knocking is what Daniel did. Daniel found out that the Lord had promised in Daniel chapter 9 that the children of the Jews would be in Babylon for 70 years. 70 years was now up. So what does Daniel do? He set his face to seek the Lord. So he prayed day one, nothing happened. So then he went to day two, nothing happened. Day three, nothing happened. Four, nothing happened. Five, six, seven, 21 days later, the door opened and access was granted. And the angel of the Lord says, son, from the first day you set your heart to seek after the Lord, you were in shallow waters. I was already sent, but access was not yet given. But your persistence made a way and I have come because of your words. That's knocking. Are we good? Yes. Okay, everything will start.
So we're going deeper. We're going deeper. We're going deeper. We're going deeper. The last thing I'm going to say, and I know the worship team is getting ready to come in, and second service should be starting soon. The 13 seconds, I'm going to take two minutes if you don't mind. David understood the levels in his connection with God. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David goes straight for the heart of God. And he says, Lord, will you let me build you a house? Hmm? I want to build you a house. A good question. Did I ask you? No. I don't need to be asked certain things. It's already in my heart to do it. I want to build your house. Why? I remember when I came from the sheepfold, Father. I'm sitting in this palace made of the cedars of Lebanon. The ark of my Lord is in a in, 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 a, in, a, in a tent, in a slum-looking tent outside. It is not well with my soul that I am living this well. And the ark of your presence is in a tent. Let me build your house. He had journeyed further than any other men went. If you look at what God said to Nathan, he says, go and tell my servant David, since I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, never once did I ever complain about my living quarters. Never once did I even ask, who is this son of Jesse that you would open? The heavens cannot contain me. You want to build me a house, son? Yeah, I do. Well, then I'm going to build you a house. What was that? He had gone into the depths and provoked the God of equal compensation. You, you bless my children, I bless yours. You bless my house, I bless yours. It's house for house. He says, but you won't build that house because you're a man of war. You got blood on your hands. But the son that shall come after you, he shall build me the house. And you would think that that would be good enough for David. But you see, David had gone further than most men in understanding how to honor God with his possessions. You get to First Chronicles chapter 29, and here's what David says. Okay, my son Solomon is young, so he does not know these depths, these waters. I, I will pay for the temple. Because as a young man, he might put inferior material. I will provide the gold, the silver, everything that's needed, the purple. That's when David decided, Lord, if I'm not going to build your house, I'm going to pay for it. Why? Because I cannot entertain the thought of my father's house being built by inferior material. Why does he say Solomon is young? Because what he's saying is, this is what I found out in my maturity. That I don't offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. That's what he said in 1 Samuel 24, 24, right? So now David understands the standard of God. Is that God does not deserve ah, the little I can do, but the best that I can do. There is a depth in your commitment, in your giving. I pray that in 2022, the Lord may enable you to walk in that. In the second service, we're going to talk about a depth of relationship that transfers you from a servant to a son to a friend. These things that I, I spoke so far are all key to taking you to that place in God. Let's all stand, please. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning that for 2022, launch out into the deep no more playing in shallow waters we're going further than we've ever gone we're going to experience God like we've never experienced him before and we're going to have a church that honors the presence of our father that the way the Lord is comfortable in Metro 
where he comes to hang out he comes to stay I pray the same grace upon your home upon your work your business your children may that same grace of deeper waters the deeper things of God may that be your portion for this year God bless you all thanks for listening to this week's podcast If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.